All right, we're in the book of uh, Luke together. I'm going to start with a, a reading. Uh, one thing about um, as we go through books of the Bible, um, it um, allows us, causes us, sometimes forces us to uh, face certain passages, and, uh, and some of them are very different. Today's passage uh, beautifully uh, presents to us a simple story which is um, uh, geared for some very personal application for everyone. So have ears to hear today and ask God to instruct your heart. And this is, uh, perhaps we could stand for, if you're able, stand for the reading. Uh, just four verses, four or five verses in Luke chapter 10. And follow with me carefully. Luke 10, 38. Now it happened as they went, he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered to her and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. So, Father, bless the reading of the word. Bless your word to our hearts and lives today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's be seated together. In Luke chapter 10, there are actually three main stories. And one common denominator between them all is that um, Jesus is the teacher and each opportunity is one of correction, one for correction. And in each case, the idea of what a person should be doing is brought to question and Jesus corrects them. So, for example, at the beginning of Luke 10, you have the 70 return and they say, oh, we rejoice because even the demons uh, submitted to us. And Jesus says, no, do not rejoice in this, but that your name is written in heaven. Right? Then you have the story of the Good Samaritan, where he asks the question, how do I inherit eternal life? Coming with the premise that he was a good man, and he was keeping the law, and Jesus corrected him and said, no, you are not saved by your good works effectively, and your neighbor is more than you think. Your neighbor is every man. So he corrects him also. And then in this story today, Martha, also a question about doing, what a person is doing or not doing, and Jesus once again uh, uses the opportunity to correct the natural-minded uh, thinker to correct uh, the misconception. So it seems in this story that there was a lesson that Martha uh, had to learn. She was serving. You remember the story. There's nothing wrong with serving. It's important in our life, particularly in our service, in our church, in, with our families. But we also needed to be, we need to be guarded in our heart when it comes to serving. Remember when Paul spoke about giving, he said, when you give, do not do it grudgingly, but with joy. 
So giving is important, but there's a right and a wrong way. There's a right heart and a wrong heart to do it. And Peter also speaks about serving, and he says, when you serve, don't do it, don't be, don't be, um, uh, do it with the right heart, the right motive, not out of constraint. But you are doing it because you choose in the freedom and you choose in joy to do it. Galatians 5.13 puts it this way, serve one another humbly with love. So if you are serving and you're not sensing the love, you're sensing you're beginning to uh, grumble, to complain, to compare, to contrast, uh, then maybe there's a, a, a time to hit the pause button to reconsider the, you know, your motive and, and to get with the Lord. So serving is good, but we need to also uh, be careful. So there's a good principle for us here, and it's something like this, that God is primarily interested in your relationship with him, your fellowship with him. And this is illustrated, we, this is seen in the story by sitting at his feet. It's receiving, it's hearing, it's being loved by him. Letting him minister to you and correct you in your heart if need be. But it's learning to draw near and sit at his feet and receive. And then serving is something that must come out of that. So primarily God is concerned with his relationship with you. And then secondly, what you are doing but that it is with the right heart and the right motive. So with that, let's go to our text in Luke 10, 38. It happened as they went as he entered a certain village. Uh, John 11 calls this the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It tells us also in John 11 that it's Bethany, which was about two miles from Jerusalem. This is on the road out of Jerusalem, up over the Mount of Olives, and it's a small village that if you were traveling to Jerusalem from that side, you would stop there. And a certain woman, Martha, now this is the first time in the synoptic gospels, this is Matthew, Mark, Luke, synoptic means to see together. They really cover much of the same territory, though from slightly different angles. This is the first time in the synoptic gospels we meet Mary and Martha. There is more about them in John 11 and 12. And one thing we discover about Mary and her sister Martha and their brother Lazarus, who is yet to die and be raised from the grave, is that they were friends of Jesus. And that should catch our attention. That's beautiful. These are friends of Jesus among the disciples and outside of his disciples he had friends and some of them are named here. It tells us in John 11:5 that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And in John 11:11 11, 11, Jesus says our friend Lazarus is sick. He doesn't say, your friend, our friend. So these were friends of Jesus, and that's beautiful to take note of that. And Martha welcomed him into her house. She was the primary hostess, perhaps the uh, older sister, it's not clear, but she was eager to receive Jesus into her home. And she had a sister called Mary. This is the same Mary who, again, in John 12... Uh, poured perfume on the Lord, wiped his feet with her hair, expressing such love and devotion. If we take a moment to think about that story in John, I'll read you some of the verses in John 12. 
It says there was a dinner given in Jesus' honor. Martha was serving. And by the way, in that story, Jesus doesn't correct her for serving. It seems as though she learned her lesson. She was still serving, but we like to think perhaps she, she learned something from the first time and she did it in the right heart this time. But that's my, my conclusion. Um, so then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with fragrance of the perfume. So in this story, she is sitting at Jesus' feet. In that story in John, she is pouring out the perfume, wiping his feet with her hair and, and tears. Beautiful picture. And one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected and said, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. John adds this insight. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as a keeper of the money, he used to help himself to what was put inside it. And then in John 12, Jesus defends Mary. Notice this. He says, leave her alone. It was intended that she would save the perfume for this day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me among you. In other words, leave her alone. She is recognizing the opportunity and seizing the opportunity and pouring out while she has, has the, the open opportunity and leave her alone for what she does is commendable and something that she would never regret. So back to our story, it says here, she also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Others would have been seated there, listening, learning. This was an incredible picture of discipleship. Paul himself spoke about how he sat at the feet of Gamaliel as a disciple, learning from his words. This would have been unusual, though, for a woman to be sitting at the feet of a rabbi and learning. But Jesus, as we know, often had many women disciples. He was, um, you know, outside of, outside of the box on that. And she didn't care what people thought, the same as when she anointed Jesus' uh, head. It shows her willing heart to listen, to receive, and to worship. Now, for us, what does that mean? It means that sitting at Jesus' feet is such an important part of the Christian life. It is such an important aspect of what it means to be a disciple, where we are sitting, where we are paused, where we are focused, that we have learned how to tune in and how to listen and let the Spirit of God instruct our hearts. We don't listen carelessly or casually. We fend off familiarity and we say in our hearts, this is God's house and God's word and God is living and Jesus would speak to my heart. And we do that because we realize how crucial it is that we sit at his feet and we hear his word. If we, if we neglect that or we substitute that, then we do ourselves a disservice in our path of discipleship because we are called to know him, to hear him, to know him, um, and to love him, to receive from the Lord. But we can't sit at his feet all the time, right? I can't serve all the time, and I can't sit at his feet all the time. There needs to be a balance. 
And the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, needs to instruct our hearts that we find that wonderful balance. The Christian life is not all about sermons and the Bible and and, uh, hearing messages. It's not only about prayer and devotion, as crucial and as important as they are, but it's also about serving one another. Now, here this morning, we probably, naturally speaking, have many Marthas. We probably have many Marys, gender aside, including the gents. And we probably have many Lazaruses here who need to be risen from the dead, but let's not, <laughs> let's not go there this morning. So naturally speaking, we might have our leaning. Naturally speaking, I might like to be very busy and occupied and have my hands on everything that's happening, or I might just be the one who just wants to sit back and relax and receive. And, that, and, and there needs to be a balance, and God must lead us that way accordingly. Because it says in verse 40 that Martha was distracted with much serving. And the word much there is an important word, isn't it? Much serving. Serving is important, but but don't get lost in it. This is a key word. Uh, Maybe maybe, uh, she was, there were too many you know, frills and decorations. We don't know the context, but much serving. She was overwhelmed with it, and it uses the word distracted. Distracted from what is the question? She was distracted from hearing the word. It seems to imply that, doesn't it? And in in our church, people need to serve, but again, here the Lord is dealing with Martha, particularly she needed to hear what he said. She had lost her focus. If any of us have been Christians or serving in churches for any amount of time in our life, we know how that can happen. When you get so busy and there are good things that you're occupied with, it may be even a church ministry. It could even be a pastor preparing for a message or something like that. It could be something that in itself is so valuable and noble and good and needed. But also we need to be very careful that we don't get lost in the activity, but we, we are kept in our hearts in, in the right way before the Lord. And all that we do must come out of what we receive. You can't have a ministry until you receive one. You cannot serve until you are served. You cannot wash someone else's feet until the Lord has first washed your feet. And that keeps our heart in the right place. But Martha was distracted. Remember in Luke 8.14, it speaks about the seed that fell among the thorns. And the seed was choked by life's worries and riches and pleasures. And worries are there. Being overburdened with something can rob you of the seed that God wants to plant and bring to fruition in your life. Sounds strange, doesn't it, in a church to say, hey, don't get too busy serving Jesus. But it's not about quantity. It's about what you're called to do. It's about what you have grace to do. It's about what God leads you and gives you the capacity to do. And that will be different for everyone. And this is the beautiful thing. In a grace church and as a grace believer, I'm not judging my brother for sitting. And I'm not judging my brother for serving. It's about how it applies to my heart and my life. 
we all live before the Lord and it's all grace and I'm not your judge and you're not mine. But I want, to, I want God to instruct my heart on how to sit and how to serve according to his grace. We're not prescribing um, you know, a method or a process, but we're saying we are led by God. So Martha approached him and said, we could say that's good. She knew where to go. She went to Jesus with her complaint, and, uh, and that's good also for us to know where we go. She's not accusing to her face. As far as we know, she's not murmuring and telling everyone in the room about Mary, but she goes to Jesus, and that's a good thing, to go to him, to go, to, to go up, to speak upwards, and, and uh, not sideways, but to go upwards to the Lord or to those who may be able to help and, and counsel. And she says, Lord, now listen to what she says. She confronts Jesus, perhaps quite sternly, but she says, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? And then she gives him some instruction to correct the problem and says, therefore, tell her to help me. She was quite outspoken, quite bold. Notice Jesus didn't, didn't do that. He didn't go and tell Mary, but he responded to Martha because Martha's problem really wasn't with Mary. Martha's problem was with Martha. Oh, let that sink in a little bit. That when I have an issue with someone and I'm complaining, and hey, how come I'm doing? And how come that person? Often the problem is here and not there. And I need to go and get my heart realigned with the Lord. And then I'm brought back to a place of privilege when I'm serving. And it's not, I can't believe I have to do this, but it's, I can't believe I get to do this. And I am privileged and I am called and I, have, I serve with joy and I serve with freedom. Not because I have to, because someone is telling me to. Not because I'm living before men, but because I'm free in grace before the Lord. And I, not, I don't judge that person. I just live before the Lord. So Jesus doesn't take her up on her advice. This reminds me, I'm just going to jump to John for a moment. And this is at the end of John's Gospel in chapter 21. This is after the resurrection, and they are, Jesus is walking with some of his disciples. And it says, and Jesus says to Peter, When you were young, you girded yourself and went where you wanted to. And when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry where you did not want to go. And this he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. And then Peter, turning around, and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who had leaned on his breast at supper, namely John, and said, Lord, who is, who, who had said, uh, uh, sorry, leaned on his breast at supper. And Peter, seeing him, verse 21, said, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said, if, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And I love that emphasis. What is that to you? What that person is doing. 
What is that to you? What my calling or plan is for that person's life? What is that for you? How I might be leading them or how they may be walking in the flesh. What is that to you? You follow me. Oh, yes, so really amazing, amazing words. So let's, uh, let's see Jesus' answer to her again. Uh, uh, she says, therefore, tell her to help me in verse 41. And Jesus answered her and said, Martha, Martha. Now, when Jesus uses the double there with the name, he does it several times in the scriptures. Abraham, Abraham, Moses, Moses, Simon, Simon, Martha, Martha. It is, you know, he, he is knowing that person. He is, there is an, a, an empath, a compassion. Oh, I understand. And you need to hear me. Oh, you know, a real heart-to-heart address. Martha, Martha, speaking to someone that he really knows. And he has something important and personal that he needs to say. And he says, you are worried and troubled about many things. The word worried it means to be anxious or to take the thought. If you look up the Greek word, it means to take thought. You know, you think of that, you're living your life, oh, here's a thought that comes and, you, and all of a sudden you get burdened with this thought rather than cast it to the Lord. You are taking the thought, you are taking it on board. You cause yourself to be anxious or the next word, to be troubled. The word is turbidzo. It's where we get the English word turbid where something becomes obscure or cloudy or confused is the application of this word. That you are worried and anxious and you are cloudy. You are losing your way. You are losing your focus. And again, is the, the emphasis there. You are troubled about many things. Too many things, we could say. You're losing sight. You've become uh, too busy. For Martha, the instruction is that you need to, need to take a seat. You need to listen more. You need to receive. You perhaps need to labor a little bit less and just let God love you and minister to you and build you up. Oh, but I have to get busy. Someone has to... But if I don't do it, I, uh, oh, and that person... Oh, you need to just take a seat. And let God love you, let God minister to you. For he said, um, uh, you are troubled about many things. And this is our point this morning, very simply, that in the Christian life it needs to be balanced. I need to be receiving. I need to let grace bear fruit in my life. I need to ensure that all that I do comes out of of being fed and encouraged and built up in my Christian life. As a pastor, as a minister, as a Christian, you need to ensure that your soul is being fed. Song of Solomon 1.6, he says, Oh, many vineyards I have kept, but my own vineyard I have not kept. And if that's the case, then you're going to be frustrated. You're going to compare and contrast and judge and complain and moan. And when that happens, I need to say, Oh, Thank you, Lord, for that moment of conviction. Perhaps it's time for me to, uh, to make an adjustment. And Jesus follows by saying, one thing is needful, or one thing is needed. And if you don't take anything out of this message but this statement, 
uh, hear this. It is so needed. It is so needed in the Christian life to be doing what Mary was doing, hearing the word. And that's why, by the way, as Christians, and particularly as a local church, we so greatly value the opening of the word, the teaching of the word, because we have learned by experience. And we do that by obedience, but we've learned by experience that the word of God instructs me. The word of God convicts me. It finds me. It restores me. It, leads, it guides me. It's a light to my path, etc. I need to hear the word in my life. That's why if we, we, want, we, we come in and we sit at his, we go out and we have our devotion, etc. And we live our life and we open the Bible. We are people of the book. And we go out and we live our life and we raise our children and we go to work and we serve in the church and we come in and we go out. But we don't want it to be like this. Oh, and then I come back in. We want it to be like this. We understand it needs to be something that is a constant in my life as a believer. I am hearing and I serve and I hear and I serve and I live my life uh, that way. One thing is needful. It is so near needful. And look at this. And Mary has chosen that good part. Serving is important, but Jesus is saying, but this what she has chosen is, is the good part. This is the part that is non-negotiable in a Christian life. If you would say, oh, listen, I can only do one, really. I can only hear the word or serve in the church, pastor. What should I do? Hear the word. <laughs> hear the word. And then let, you know, whatever comes out of that, let it happen. She has chosen. Be careful how and what you choose. It's not about service or the lack of it or how much you serve or how little you serve. It's choosing. It's about priorities. I remember when I graduated from Bible college and I went to Prague, to Czech Republic, and we were doing a church plant there. And I remember, oh, I'm ready. Okay, I'm at the starting block. Okay, pastor, tell me what to do. I'm ready. What can I do? You know? And he said to me, I'd like you just to take a seat. Take a seat in the front and listen and let God speak to your heart. Be knit in the body. Get to know the family of God. Let God instruct your heart. Receive grace. Let God love you. And I, oh, okay, I, I can do that. I'll start there. And that's where I started. And that's so wonderful, so healthy um, that that can happen. I remember in Budapest, we had the Chinese church, and there was a woman who came, and she says, listen, I'm so ready. I, I want to serve in the church. And I remember thinking, well, God bless you. I love your heart to do that, but you're not really even in the church. You know, you've been a few times, and you don't come so much, and I think it's first you need to find a place, find a seat, and let God minister to you, and let, let something be born in your life naturally. Uh, rather than just be put to work, you need to receive a ministry. We greatly value the preaching of the word. It's such a healthy and important conviction for any and every Christian to have, to be hearing the word regularly in my life. 
And we all know, and we almost don't need to balance it, but I, probably I do for some. We all know it's not always possible. Uh, if, if I'm on my deathbed, pastor, I was on my deathbed. Okay, I understand. You know, I had to work. I had to do a shift. I work in the hospital. I understand. You know, I don't even want to hear. I don't care. It's between you and God. No one's keeping care. It's just between you and God. But, um, but you know, if it's raining outside, I get an umbrella because I live in England. And if I only go to church when it's not raining, I'm going to miss a lot of services. You know what I mean? I'd rather be wet in the house of God than, you know, you know what I mean? Because I have a conviction that hearing the Bible is important. You know what I mean. Balance that yourself. You know what I mean. Okay, and then the last phrase here. She has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Isn't that a curious phrase? It will not be taken away from her. And I thought, what does that mean? And you know what my conclusion is? Exactly what it says. It means what it says. That that which she hears, that which she received, that which God spoke to her, it, it was given to her, it was hers, it was not taken away. It, was a, it would, became part of her, you know, it was food for her soul to nourish her in her growth. So the Christian life is a balance. And may God lead us. May the Holy Spirit in your life balance, give you the balance, lead you in the delicate balance. I sit and I serve. And how that applies to each person may be, may be different. But God lead us. Amen? Amen? So, Father, we pray this morning. We thank you for the opportunity once again to sit at your feet, to hear your word. We know and believe that faith comes by hearing <coughs> hearing your word. Oh, thank you for speaking to our hearts to encourage us, to lead us. And we do thank you for the opportunities also to serve. And we thank you for how you, you will lead us in the balance of that personally. And we love you and thank you. Apply this to our heart and lives. Perhaps there's one listening this morning, sitting among us or listening on the internet, you're not sure of your salvation, you have a question, oh, listen, Jesus is the Savior. This is at the very heart of the good news gospel, that God loves you, that Jesus died for you, that salvation is a gift to be received by any who would believe. So believe this morning, in this moment, and say, Jesus, come into my life and be my Savior and lead me in a personal relationship with you I ask and pray, and we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.